We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys as I give you guys some life and business updates, including my move to Columbia, a brand new sponsor, some new pieces of content rolling out, some updates, much, much more. Also, South Carolina announcing their 2020 football schedule, Levante Valentine's transfer, and an injury on the defensive front for South Carolina. Get to all that and more. Also, your listener questions and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver Corey Bridges. We talk about him going to South Carolina, being a Georgia native, scoring a touchdown his very first play from scrimmage in college, playing with the likes of Steve Tannehill, Anthony Wright, playing in the NFL, being being a track star, owning his own business, and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one that you need. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase. Guys, it's that time to start buying your Gamecocks football tickets. they got tickets to literally anything and everything. But if you need tickets to South Carolina Gamecocks football games this fall, whether it be the game against UNC, the Charleston Southern game, Alabama, any of the games this season, SeatGeek's going to have those there. They've also got tickets to other sporting events such as NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, concerts, comedy club events, you name it. It doesn't have to be sports. They've got your tickets there. SeatGeek's actually got a great ticket rating system as well where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So SeatGeek really does all the work for you in the sense that they're helping you get the best deal possible and helping you save the most money. They actually tell you whether you're getting a good deal or a steal or if you're getting ripped off. So you have that peace of mind before you click the buy button. You know you're getting the absolute best deal on the market, hands down. And the tickets are all 100% real. You don't have to worry about any scalpers or anything like that. So again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show. Um, it's funny, this show is going to be a lot different than we normally are. Obviously, still talking Gamecocks, things going on uh, around the Gamecocks, but a lot of personal updates, a lot of business updates, and a lot of things that are really exciting on the horizon, on the forefront, and things that are here that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, we'll go ahead and dive into it. Obviously, you guys all know personally for me, I just moved to Columbia, moved it, all moved into my place. 
Um, the last couple of days have been very, very, very hectic. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has moved at some point or another in their life, and you guys can understand that that is just a – there are few things that I hate more in this world than the process of moving. I don't necessarily mind the unpacking or the decorating or putting stuff where it needs to go, but the actual physical act of moving – is something that really just drives me crazy for whatever reason because I'm so impatient when it comes to that and just so ready to get to the new location and especially in this current circumstance where I'm so ready to start producing content and you have things to do but the move is standing in your way and stopping you so I'm really honestly happy and excited and proud that I was able to stick to this content schedule this week get the podcast out have the guest interview all that good stuff what didn't have to really affect anything that big but I'll move into Columbia, man. It's crazy. I was sitting on my couch today after, uh, you know, my, my dad and brother had left and sitting on the couch and it kind of hit me and sunk in like, wow, I, I'm, I'm in Columbia. I really, really excited as you guys can imagine just to finally be on, on, on home turf, if you will. It's obviously going to be a game changer in the sense of enhancing the content. It's only going to make the content better. And I'm going to talk about some of the content, some of the changes coming because I hinted at that earlier this week, some changes and things that were coming for you guys. And I want to kind of go into detail of what that is and kind of give you guys an inside look of what is to come because I think you'll be really excited for it. Before I do that, as you guys all saw on social media, uh, the Spurs Up show has officially locked down the first major sponsor in its history. Obviously, SeatGeek is a sponsor as well, but it's a very minor sponsor, um, more of a partnership, if you will, something that um, I've been promoting simply because it really was the only sponsor. But the first major, major sponsorship um, in the history of the Spurs Up show, Tannehill's Group Therapy. Uh, Steve Tannehill's bar down in Five Points. They were able to meet with him. Again, I'm sure you guys saw the post on social media. I was able to go meet with Steve, have a fantastic conversation. I mean, one, it was awesome to be having that type of meeting, getting sponsorship for the Spurs Up show, but meeting with Steve Tannehill, the legend that he is. I mean, it, was, it was a very cool thing because, uh, you know, the show that I did with him, the podcast, that obviously he called in. So it was the first time meeting Steve and had some really productive conversations. We bounced some ideas off each other and uh, – you know, everything made sense. So I just want to say to you guys, everybody listening to all the fans, really just a huge thank you and appreciation because none of it would be possible without you guys tuning in week after week and supporting and showing your support through social media or other channels and other outlets. And to all the people that have reached out and congratulated, I mean, it doesn't go unnoticed. I, you know, I try to get back to everybody, but I just truly genuinely appreciate it. And, you know, this is a culmination, the first of many, I'll say that too, the first of many. Um, there will be more dropping, I believe, over the next week that I'll be sure to inform you guys as soon as it happens. But, uh, no, I mean, just a culmination of all the hard work that's been put in, and it's really cool to see something grow from where it was even just a year ago, especially two years ago, to where we are now. And I say we again because it's not just me. Uh, without you guys, without the fans, supporters, the listeners, the people that really rock what I do and the vision I have and everything that, uh, that goes on with the Spurs Up show, it, it couldn't be done without you so I just want to say thank you to everyone listening tuning in obviously you guys I think I think what's really cool about what I do and what's uh the connection I think what one of the coolest things is the connection that I'm able to have with the people that tune in and the fans and the people that support and because I'm genuinely thankful for the support you guys give and anyone that takes any time out of their day to consume any piece of content that I make so I think this is truly a culmination of things uh, of the work that's been put in. And I'm very, very excited about the future for this. There's going to be a lot of events, a lot of live on-site shows, a lot of tailgates. Just it, really, there is no limit to the possibilities with this. Obviously, you guys will know about it, and there will be announcements and stuff like that. But uh, 
will be effective about middle of this month or so, and we'll really kind of get things rolling. But obviously, extremely excited to get that locked down. It's it's really obviously a huge step for the Spurs Up show in regards to um, just building the business, growing the brand, and I, I'm extremely extremely excited for what's to come and obviously appreciate Steve Tannehill and Tannehill's group therapy for uh, being the first ever sponsor. I mean, it's a really, really cool thing. And what better person to partner with than a former Gamecock legend quarterback, um, former Gamecock quarterback legend than Steve, Steve Tannehill. It's just awesome, man. So I, I, again, words, words really didn't do any justice to how I felt yesterday. And they really still don't do justice right now because I'm, I'm a person where it's tough to kind of sit. Sometimes it's tough to sit back and reflect because you're so, locked in and focused on the grind and getting better and, you know, making everything better, making this piece of content, that piece of content. How can we improve this? How can we do that? When you really sit back and think about everything, it is, it's very cool. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a cool feeling. And I, I really, I really do appreciate you guys. That's really all I, all I want anyone that listens to this to know that I appreciate every single person that takes even a second of their day to listen to any content or consume any content, any way that I produce it, it really goes a long way and means a ton to me. Um, with that being said, because you guys, you, you heard me saying the live on-site shows and some different things, I want to talk about some of the the updates in regards to the business and in regards to the content and you know everything, because this is all kind of working together. The move, the sponsorship, the content, it is all working together and coming to a head. It, it, I think what's really fun is that a lot of you guys that are tuned in, a lot of you people that are tuned in have really been rocking with me for a while now. And you've seen the evolution of this thing, man. And it, it's really cool the fact that I'm finally in Columbia putting 110% of myself into this business. And I try to tell people the content is literally about to get taken to the next level. And I'm really not sure people are ready for it. Um, I will be, you'll notice on this show, obviously, Corey Bridges is the guest and we had a call interview and stuff like that, but good interview. And you'll notice there was some choppiness with the, with the audio, which I apologize. I think his cell service wasn't all that great, but the podcast will be taking a new direction. Um, I'm not, I can't promise that it's going to be on Monday's show, for example, or Thursdays of next week, because right now I'm currently in the process of setting up a home studio, which is something I'll be doing probably the entire weekend. But uh, the podcast is taking a new direction. Again, not 100% sure when it will be effective, but we'll be shifting from the call-in interviews that you guys are very familiar with, just a classic call-in interview, to live, in-person guest interviews at the home studio with a camera rolling as well, a Canon camera that I, I actually bought over the summer, uh, camera rolling, getting that going with the camera, the, uh, the video content as well. So if you guys are familiar like the Joe Rogan podcast or other podcasts you've seen that have the video rolling and you have the option to consume via YouTube or those video clips supporting the podcast, that is going to be coming to the Spurs Up show. So obviously that's a very, very exciting thing simply because, you know, being able to talk with the guests that I've had on this show in person um, it, it really changes the dynamic of the conversation when you can get the per somebody in person uh, over the phone can obviously there are challenges to that because you're kind of waiting on responses and there's issues with connectivity and there's issues with service and <clears throat> to have someone sitting in front of you and be able to have that relaxed conversation and read their body language and have a free flowing conversation. You guys are obviously know it's going to improve the conversation immensely, but also having that video dynamic for you guys being able to see the conversation um, I, you know, and consume it that way, I think is going to be a huge game changer for the podcast for it's going to really take the podcast, in my opinion, to the next level. And I think you guys would agree as well. So that's something I'm really, really interested about. Also the vlog, the vlog will be taking off over the next week or two. Um, something that no other South Carolina Gamecocks media outlet is doing no other Gamecocks outlet Gamecocks 
whatever, Gamecock site, I don't care what it is. There's no, nobody else doing that. I can speak that with full confidence. There is nothing else out there like that. I'm super, super excited for you guys. Um, obviously going to be doing it all football season, basically every single weekend, really giving you an inside look of what a game day or game weekend is truly like in Columbia, South Carolina, and kind of from my perspective. So I'm extremely excited about the vlog. There will be also a ton of vlog content coming out that I haven't released yet that uh, you know we haven't recorded yet either, but will be coming out over the next few weeks and you know, really just throughout time that uh, I think you guys will find really cool as well stuff that it will involve probably former players and different locations in Columbia and just a lot of cool stuff coming on that front as well. Also, you guys might have seen the announcement today, but Twitch, the Spurs Up show is officially on Twitch. If you're listening to this and don't know what Twitch is, Twitch is a video game streaming platform, if you will. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably do. But for those that maybe don't, that's what it is. Um, Really, really exciting stuff. Something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I actually wanted to do this last year and did not have the uh, the capabilities, the technology, if you will. Have all of that now all set, ready to go. The Twitch streaming um, will be starting that up probably early next week in regards to streaming there. I will be streaming, and I have NCLA 14, obviously, on PlayStation 3, have all the updated rosters. So we will be going – or I will be going through – and simming each individual game for South Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina, Charleston Southern, Alabama, every single game. So you guys will be able to tune in. I'll also be on the mic as well, kind of giving my commentary. Should be a kind of fun, lighthearted thing where people can tune in and, and chat, and I can give my thoughts and stuff like that. But something I'm really, really excited about because Twitch is all the rage right now. And who doesn't love tuning in and watching the NCAA 14 football game? I think it's a relic. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing. So I, just another piece of content that I think you guys can look out for, you can tune into. Um, and something that I think will be a, a really big piece of content for the Spurs Up show. So that's an exciting thing as well. Also, you know, with this move, and again, 110% focusing on the Spurs Up show, like I mentioned, not that I wasn't before, but obviously to be transparent with you guys, you know, working other jobs to make money to funnel the business, but now being in Columbia and being able to be self-sufficient is going to be a game changer. There's going to be more written content. There's going to be more consistent video content. Basically, everything that I've said, if I had to summarize it for you guys, what you can expect, there will be a major, major uptick in the quality of content, in the amount of content, in the overall cutting edge, you know, the, the, the way the content is cutting edge, that will continue to be the same, if not get even better. The content overall, and one of the reasons I'm extremely, probably the number one reason I'm extremely excited for the move. Um, being on site is cool. Being near the football stadium, all the stadiums downtown, it's cool. But the way that the content is going to improve and the way that I hopefully am going to be able to bring you guys value and improve the user experience and bring you even more value in the content that's being produced, that is what excites me the most about what is to come. And, uh, you know, it's just a great time. It's a great time to – be a fan of the Spurs Up show. It's a great time to be doing what I'm doing. And I'm very, very excited about putting in the work and getting to work and, and really bringing you guys an unparalleled type of an experience, an experience that no other outlets, period, can match. And when I, Because when people ask me, you know, about the Spurs Up show and the direction, you know, when I say the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet or when I say the best Gamecocks coverage on the internet, that, that's not just talk. I, I mean that. That's not talk. I 100% mean that. And I'm just really excited for the value that's going to be able to be brought to you guys. Again, bear with me for the rest of this week because I'm moving my stuff in. I'm trying to get everything organized. It is just such a pain in the butt. I mean, it's kind of hard to 
to do all the things I'm talking about when in the back of your mind, you're thinking, crap, I don't have shower rings. I can't hang my shower curtain and I have to take a shower without a shower curtain. That is something that literally happened to me today. So I, uh, I appreciate you guys being patient with everything, but I just want you guys to know over the next week, two weeks, things are already ramping up. Things are starting to ramp up and things are going to be ramping up very, very, very quickly. And I could not be more excited to bring that to you guys. Uh, Very, very pumped. Um, All right. So let's talk some Gamecocks. Let's dive into that. Now that we've gotten through the updates, the housekeeping items, if you will, Gamecocks do announce their 2020 football schedule. If you haven't seen it yet, I'll go over it. September 5th, Gamecocks play coastal Carolina. So it goes coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Missouri, then at Kentucky, at Florida, Tennessee, Gamecocks have the bye week. They return Texas A&M at Vanderbilt, and then November comes. Georgia at LSU, Wofford at Clemson. Uh, you look at that 2020 schedule. I mean, South Carolina with the ability, the chance to start the season really, really strong. Coastal, East Carolina, Missouri at Kentucky. I mean, that there really is a real chance, in my opinion, to start worst case three and one, probably actually starting four and zero. Oh. If you can get rid of the Kentucky streak and Missouri. Losing Kelly Bryan after a year, you'll probably think that maybe they'll drop off just a little bit. Um, Gamecocks then go to the Swamp, which is weird that that game is so early in the season. Gamecocks playing Tennessee at home that next week, have the bye. A&M's at home. You go to Vanderbilt, which is a manageable road trip. But then November hits. November is daunting in 2020. You play Georgia at Williams-Brice, then at LSU. Wofford at home, which whoever scheduled Wofford, I cannot believe that with the option teams, the way they've given South Carolina trouble. But either way, you have the Wofford Terriers and then the final game at Clemson. So your November consists of Georgia at LSU at Clemson. So a very big chance to start the season strong, but November will be absolutely brutal for the Gamecocks in 2020. But like Will Muschamp said, when asked about the tough schedule in 2019, hell, the schedule's hard every year. And next year, I don't think it's any exception. All you do is lose Bama and add at LSU, which should be a very interesting road trip. Um, some other news and notes for the Gamecocks. Honestly, guys, not a ton going on right now. I mean, I know we're in the full swing of fall camp, which is awesome, but not a lot of big news that comes out of fall camp simply because practices are closed and we only get to hear from what the coaches say, which, you know, honestly, normally is not going to be a lot. But uh, Levante Valentine, the running back, he is transferring. Um, I know I had some people ask me about this, a guy that, you know, I think kind of just saw the writing on the wall with the Tavian Feaster stuff, a guy that I really didn't expect to play a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to see the move, to be honest. Devontae Davis also most likely out for the season. Um, he's got a fractured foot or a, um, a foot sprain, whatever you want to call it. From what, I, from what my sources told me, it was a fractured foot. But either way, most likely out for the year. The only positive at this, and obviously Gamecocks don't need to make it a trend because of the injuries they had last year. but. Uh, it is at a place that you can manage to lose a guy, and that is on the defensive front. Um, Devontae Davis, a guy I'm not sure really the impact he was expected to make this year, if you will, but uh, I think the Gamecocks will be fine. But obviously you just hope and pray this isn't a trend because South Carolina fans got plenty of the injury bug last year, and I would rather not see it again this year. Um, okay, let's get into some listener questions because you guys had a ton of listener questions that I want to get into. Um, we'll start with we underscore cocky. Predictions for Jamel Cook. I think Jamel Cook's a guy that's going to play a lot. You know, I think Jamel Cook is a guy that uh, you can expect to have an impact this year for Carolina. You know, a guy that was obviously big in the spring game, played really well. But I think Jamel should be right in the middle of that rotation and wouldn't be surprised to see him make some big plays this year. Um, Tice Rice, is A.J. Turner good enough to take a starting DB spot? Been repping with the first team so far. Um, 
That's a great question. I mean, AJ's a good athlete. He's a guy that has a knack for the football and a guy that can make plays. I don't know that he'll be a starter, but um, you know, it'll be interesting. I think he'll be a guy that'll play a lot. And hopefully, can surprise that position. I mean, again, there's a reason they moved him over there. They must really like what they see. And if Muschamp and T. Robert willing to move him over there, he must have some capabilities at that position. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I think AJ will play a lot this season. Um, Bart B. Twenty two. Where are we going to get running back replacements after four if you count AJ seniors graduate? Um, I mean, through recruiting. I mean, you've got, you've got Marshawn Lloyd locked down. If you can get Tank Bigsby, that's going to be the other big one that you need to have locked down. Um, but, I mean, you think going into next year, you lose the seniors, but you have coming back. Uh, Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick, you add Marshawn Lloyd. And you need to add Tank Bigsby. I'm sure they'll add – if they don't get Tank, I'm sure they'll add one more, but you really do need to get him. Um, but, but, I mean, yeah, that's a great question because you think of all the guys that are leaving the Levante transferring. But I'm sure they'll add someone else. But, it's, it's I, in my opinion, it's going to be through recruiting, no doubt. Um, soulless underscore SVT, are injuries a concern yet again going into this season? You know, I'm not saying I'm overly – I don't – it's a storyline. It's a storyline, no doubt. It's not a major concern for me necessarily because I don't think it can get any worse because just how bad last year was. So it's a storyline, but I'm not overly, overly concerned. Now, if we see a couple of guys dropping during fall camp or the first or second week, I think 100% it becomes a worry. It definitely becomes something you're concerned with. Zach underscore Smitty, how hot is Coach Muschamp's seat if Gamecocks fail to make a bowl game? Um – it's warm. I think definitely it is warm, um, especially heading into 2020, because 2020 will be the year where it's, it'll be Muschamp's prove-it year, pretty much. And a lot of people are labeling next season as Muschamp's prove-it year, and can he push this team finally over the edge? Can he get this team back to where it was? And even with a new starting quarterback, I mean, a lot of people are going to be expecting progress, going you know, major progress going into that 2020 season. So I, if he misses a bowl game, I think it'll be very warm. Um, and I think it'll – honestly, you know, I don't know for a fact, but if he misses a bowl game this year misses a bowl game next year, there may be a chance where they pull the trigger and, uh, and let him go. I, I don't know 100% again, but, uh, no, I think it'll certainly warm it up if they miss the bowl, a bowl game in 2019. Um, Zach underscore Smitty, again, I'm already hearing about too many turnovers on offense. <clears throat> How short is Bentley's leash? I mean, listen, you have to take everything you hear in fall camp with a grain of salt. Um, you know, you're not going to hear many coaches, you know, gassing up their team, saying this is a national championship caliber team or whatever. And you just take everything you hear in fall camp with a grain of salt. But, yeah, that's a question I've had a lot, man, about Jake Bentley's leash. How long is his leash? Because you got you have a guy capable behind him now in Ryan Holinsky that you think can come in and play some good football. So, you know, I think – listen, I think they're going to ride the Jake Bentley thing out as long as they possibly can. I think Will Muschamp has sort of put his chips – on the table with Jake Bentley, if you will, and he is going all in. Um, I think it would take an injury or just really, really, really poor play for him to get benched. I mean, and listen, I don't want that to happen. I hope Jake Bentley balls those 40 touchdowns, um, has a great year. But, uh, no, I, I think it's interesting. I think you have a good point in the le as far as what is his leash, when is enough going to be enough if it gets to that point, if you will. Uh, and it's only something we're going to know as time goes by. Um, Hunter teams, on top of the – TB uniforms or throwback uniforms. I hope we have an entire throwback entrance, old 2001 and cocky. Would be very, very cool stuff, no doubt. Um, Emory Moore Jr., any chance we get Tank Bigsby? I think we've got a good chance. I think South Carolina's got a good chance. Obviously, I'll be covering that one live on Friday. 
uh, might actually do like a live stream or something. I think that'd be really cool. But uh, no, I mean, I, I feel better than most, you know, I, I do feel better than most about it, but uh, no, there's certainly a chance. I mean, listen, even if, even if tank picks say, you know, everyone likes to say he's going to Auburn, even if, Bigsby picks Auburn on Friday. You know, if Auburn has a terrible year and Gus Malzahn gets fired, I mean, there's no guarantee the kid's going to Auburn. So, with recruiting, you never know. I mean, who he picks on Friday might not even be who he signs with, and I'm sure the coaching staff will stay hard on him. So, the Gamecocks, I think, certainly have a chance to get the kid. Um, with Davis going down, are you considered at all with the? Are you concerned at all with the D line rotation? Uh, speaking of Devontae Davis. I'm not concerned yet. I mean, again, <clears throat> I'm not sure Devontae was really a guy that was going to play a lot this season anyways. I mean, that was real Tim Cox, by the way, that asked the question. I apologize. But I, I'm not overly concerned yet. But, again, if we, see a tr if we see a trend like last year where you're getting all these injuries and stuff like that, it's, it's definitely time to start worrying, no doubt. Um, let's see. Last question. Jack Harrington, 4124. Does the defense lack as much depth as last year? And if so, at what positions are they deeper? Um, I think the defense is certainly deeper this year. Um, I think you look at defensive front, no questions asked. They're much, much deeper and experienced. Uh, I like the linebackers a lot more this year. I think, you know, the secondary is interesting because I think it should be one of the strong suits of the team, but there is a lack of depth somewhat there, but you have more talent than you've had in a while in the secondary. So I think overall, you know, what you trade off in – depth you're getting more so there's a lot more talent than we have seen in the last couple of years which I think again is something to be really 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 excited about um had another question as well from R Manthy three that came through the dms it says I don't believe Muschamp is on the hot seat coming into this year but I'm also realistic that the majority of the fan base won't tolerate a five six win year in year four of the Muschamp era regardless of the schedule Particularly with, particularly with a senior quarterback. A five- or six-win year mean, probably means we lost to teams we've beaten in previous years or should beat. Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida. I think there's serious consideration of whether Muschamp has a job in year five if this occurs. Thoughts on this? Uh, listen, man, I, I'm telling you right now, I don't care what the record is unless it's a full-on meltdown this season. There's no chance Will Muschamp will be or should be fired after this year. Um, you, you know, listen, not every season is built equally and we have to go off the information we have at that time, but you're not going to build a program firing a coach or getting a new coach every two to three or four years. You're just not. So you're digging your own grave doing that. Again, would it be frustrating to go five and seven or even six and six? Yeah, it'd be really frustrating. But firing Will Muschamp immediately after it is not the long-term solution. It is 100% not. And, again, for the fans that are asking those questions, I don't see any chance it happens. I'm just not buying it. I don't care what happens this year. There's no chance that Will Muschamp is not the Gamecocks head coach in 2020, and you can quote me on that. Um, also had a voicemail come through. I, I normally play the voicemails first, so I apologize. But look, let's get to the voicemail. Um, this one comes from Joel in North Augusta, South Carolina. Let's hear it. Hey, Spurs Up Show. Joel here in North Augusta, South Carolina. Um, first time caller, just got into the podcast, really uh, enjoying it so far. I got a two-part question, man, if you uh, could answer this for me. Uh, the first one is about T-Rob, our defensive coordinator. Uh, how long do you think that he'll stay with the Gamecocks if we can turn this season around defensively? Um, you know, based on what we, I've been hearing on the podcast and um, all the research we've been doing as far as the offseason, uh, 
and what we've heard about the depth at defensive line and depth at uh, corner and, and uh, the secondary. Um, and, of course, the prowess as a recruiter. I feel like T-Rob is a, an incredible commodity for the Gamecocks. Um, I think without him, we wouldn't be where we are. Obviously, Muschamp's an incredible recruiter and defensive mind himself, but he's surrounded himself with great uh, coordinators. So I'm curious, again, if we turn around and perform at the level that we all think we're going to this year, um, and get those maybe eight wins, nine wins, start getting more takeaways in the defensive, on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think T-Rob stays next year? Or do you think maybe he goes ahead and gets courted by a school to become a head coach? Um, of course, that's what all coaches are wanting, to just go ahead and uh, be the, the number one guy. And so I'm just curious, how much longer do you think we might have T-Rob if the Gamecocks do start performing a lot better on defense and, uh, and recruiting? My second question uh, for you is what made you want to do the Spurs Up show um, in the first place? Uh, you know, are you, have you always been a Gamecocks fan your whole life? Um, you know, what, uh, what motivates you to do the podcast? Uh, and then, um, you know, as far as maybe your brief history on how the podcast started and um, also maybe where you would want this Spurs Up show to go in the future. Okay, man, again, uh, thanks for what you're doing. Really enjoy the podcast. Love the interviews. Uh, Jamila Gree was awesome, um, and also the Jacob August interviews were great. I think it's really impressive that you're getting those kind of players to, to talk to you for an hour. Um, I'm a little jealous myself, but uh, I think it's great content, and, again, we really appreciate what you're doing, and uh, looking forward to a great season. Go Gamecocks. Thanks. All right, Joel from North Augusta. Appreciate that voice, man. I want to start with the uh, <clears throat> with the T Rob stuff first. Obviously, a great point you bring up. I mean, with T Rob, and you know, I, I think Muschamp, the biggest thing he can do this year is let his assistants work for him because he's got two of the best assistants in the entire country, in my opinion, Brian McClendon, uh, Tavares Robinson. But uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how much you know how much of a threat the Gamecocks are to lose T Rob, no matter the season they have on defense, simply because. You know, you say that he wants a head coaching job, and you certainly think that. Um, but I, I don't know. With T-Rob being Will Muschamp's right-hand man, I think that's the one thing the Gamecocks have going for them. Um, and I'm not sure that one big year would really be enough for teams to throw the entire – throw every throw the kitchen sink at him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that – I think T-Rob probably still needs three or four more years of – really showing it, you know, having a defense at an elite level, and then he can – I think he'd start drawing some bigger offers, if you will. But, I mean, you never know his situation. So, you certainly bring up a good point and something that could happen. But if I had to predict it, I really think the relationship with Will Muschamp and T-Rob is going to keep T-Rob wherever he's at, keep him at South Carolina. Um, and I'm really – really, the Gamecocks need to do whatever they can to keep him because T-Rob, again, one of the best young minds in college ball, in my opinion, and one of the best defensive minds around so I think South Carolina will be able to hold on to him though no matter the season the Gamecocks have this year just because again I think he's a guy that probably needs to put in a couple more years of work um but depending again on the size of the offer or the size of the job that he wants I mean some guys will jump at any job that offers them some guys are got they want to wait for a certain job or a certain level job or you know stuff like that so you really aren't in his head and don't know but I will say that T-Rob be the Gamecocks defensive coordinator in 2020 I think he'll be back no matter the season they have. Again, I think he's Will Muschamp's kind of right-hand man, kind of his guy. And uh, I think he'll stick with Muschamp, to be honest with you. Uh, as far as your questions about the Spurs Up show, good questions. Appreciate you calling in. Appreciate you tuning in, man. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying the show thus far and hopefully can continue. 
hopefully can continue that again. You're, you're jumping on and listening in at a really, really exciting time. Um, but yeah, so I've been a Gamecock my entire life, born and bred, been a fan. I've been a real diehard fan probably since I was 11 or 12 years old when I can really, when I could really kind of grasp and understand it. And that was 2002, 2003. Um, so I'd say really beginning of the 2003 season. That's like when I really started being a true, true diehard fan, when I really started to understand, you know, what it meant. And, you know, my grandfather was the one that really got me into it. And I just, I mean, it just took off ever since, man. I was a diehard addicted fan and, you know, I'm still that way to this day. So now I've been a Gamecock my whole life. Really the, uh, the inspiration to do it and how it all came about. So it's funny, you know, I majored in communications in college, um, you know, thought I wanted to be a sports writer, sports journalist. And, uh, you know, when I was in college and quit playing ball, really wanted to, I don't know, I got to the point where I wanted to move the city. I got into kind of business and wanted to move to the city, make money, have a good time. And so I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina happened. And uh, that, went, that went really well, but always felt, you know, I always had an opinion on sports. Um, I can trace it all the way back to, I mean, when I was in middle school, and you guys probably remember when you'd have like writer's block or writing something in your comp composition notebook. Um, and I was friends with guys who like to write about college football. And it kind of, you know, kind of out of nowhere. It's funny. Um, so whenever we got to write about anything, I would write about college football. So I would write different games and my predictions for the week. And I'd write the South Carolina game, my prediction for the game. And I mean, I remember 2006 Florida game, I made a you know, I don't know if you guys remember like having to make pamphlets in high school. I made a pamphlet for the South Carolina Florida game, writing a offense defense preview, three keys to victory. So I mean, I can trace it back all the way there when I've always been a really good writer as well. So like I was that guy in college that could write an English paper the day of or the night before and get like a B plus on it and BS. And I've just always been good with words and talking and, you know, obviously I've gotten better throughout life experiences, but always been pretty decent at that. Um, you know, it's funny, I really, you know, podcasts, I think, really took off in, say, 2011 and 12-ish, I would say. Maybe it was before that, but that's when I really started getting into, like, 2010, 11, 12. And, you know, I always felt like it was something I could do, and I always thought that I could have an opinion that could be valuable to Gamecock fans, or it was something I could be successful at. But I really, I got in the rut and got stuck in what a lot of people get stuck with in a lot of different things, is just how do you start, right? You don't know how to start or how to get going, and um, really after a long time, I mean, it, it took years. I mean, you think that was 2012 and whatever. I mean, I moved to Charlotte 2015 and, uh, January of 2017, I'll kind of fast forward and shorten the story for you. January, 2017, I've always been big and active on social media as well. That's one big thing. I joined Twitter in 2009 on my personal account was always on Instagram, Facebook. I, I've been big on social media. So January or December 2016, January 2017, I basically stumbled upon an outlet on Twitter called the Armchair Americans. Um, the Armchair Americans are basically a media outlet, uh, social media outlet, if you will, that has a website and they need a South Carolina writer. Um, and I figured, why not? You know, I actually had a my own personal blog back in like 2013 where I wrote a couple articles, wrote about the Gamecocks, the SEC media days and stuff like that. And, you know, just kind of jumped on with the Armchair Americans, was writing two articles per week and they gave me control. You know, they really gave me all the control I wanted. I had the Twitter account. I had the, there was no Instagram account. There was no Facebook page. And the Twitter account had 30 followers, literally had 30 followers. So I just kind of in the beginning had fun with it, was taken over with it. And it was a very, very, very slow growth, slow, you know, hard grind, slow, slow growth. I mean, I remember six months in after the first six months, 
I had a hundred followers. We had a hundred followers. The Armchair South Carolina account, which is now the Spurs Up Show account, had a hundred. I mean, that's it in six months. I mean, that's a long, you know, that's a long time. I mean, now the Spurs Up Show, we're getting like fifty followers in one day. I mean, obviously it's a different scenario, but uh, people don't realize that. But uh, no, the podcast, its actual inception, the Spurs Up Show, was April of two thousand seventeen. Um, that's when the show started. You know, I just kind of really, again, I always kind of had the 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 I always wanted to do the podcast route, if you will. And, you know, it's funny because those first couple episodes, for whatever reason, iTunes only posted up to like September of 2017. But those first episodes, those first probably like 15 episodes, they're on YouTube because I used to use Google Hangouts to record. And I was actually kind of thinking about just for fun, throwing up the old school episodes just to show people how far everything's come. Those first episodes are bad. <laughs> Those first episodes, if you go back and listen, they are really, really, really bad. I mean, it's just, it's just starting out, just kind of didn't know what I was doing, didn't have the right audio equipment. You have to start somewhere, right? Um, it's only been uphill from there. That's what I'll say. Or it's only been a, uh, you know, positive growth from there, right? So, I mean, um, it's funny to go back and listen to those. But, yeah, started that in April 2017. I'll be honest with you, man. Things just kind of, you know, as the show grew, um, you know, after the first year hit a thousand followers on Twitter, which it's funny looking back now. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big believer in celebrating the small victories, but, uh, you know, I celebrated that and it just kind of, you know, lo again, long story short, cause I don't want to drag it out, but it just sort of, you know, it has been a lot of, I, I do, I don't want to undersell. It has been a lot of hard work of just consistency and content production and interacting with people and fans and, DMing so many athletes over and over and over again and because in the beginning it was obviously hard it was hard to get these athletes on because I I didn't have a brand nobody knew who I was nobody knew anything about what I was trying to build and after you get one athlete on it's easier to get that second you get that second on it's easier to get that third it just kind of kept building and building and building on itself and uh you know has I've been blessed and fortunate enough that it's really gotten to the point where it is now and I mean it's just been a it's been very fun to watch and it's something that I really, I saw the opportunity. So I broke off from the Armchair All-Americans in November of 2018, which was last year in the first day, um, or really the, the birth and inception of the Spurs Up show LLC. Um, actually getting the LLC and being a legitimate business um, was November 11th, 2018. So a very, very cool thing. I, you know, I really just kind of the thing was, and I, again, shout out to the Armchair guys, because if it wasn't for them, I'm not sure I would have taken the chance and, you know, taking that opportunity and giving myself a chance to get my opinions and voice out there and do what I'm doing now. And, um, but I just saw the opportunity, you know, I saw the opportunity to break off and kind of make it my own thing and get sponsorship and do live events and do all these other things, all that you're seeing right now and will be seeing over the next months and forward, really going forward. Um, but you also asked too, you know, what motivates me, what drives me to do it every single day? Um, I just, I genuinely love it, man. I genuinely, genuinely love it. It's, uh, I'm addicted to it. I mean, it's, it's something where, you know, it's something that I, people, you know, the, I just love it. I mean, it's hard to really put into words. I mean, I have favorite parts of it for sure, which I mean, all of it, I love all of it, but I mean, obviously being able to talk to the people I talk to, the guests, I mean, guys that I watched, guys that I, I mean, that are just legends to me. Um, from all different sports and getting to hear their stories, each individual guy's stories is just such a cool thing. Um, but really just being able to, I, you know, I, I've, I've always been in a business too, and, and being able to build something, doing what you love to me is 
what drives me. And, and I'm someone that I think to, to build an outlet like this, you, and I'm not a perfectionist, but you have to be somewhat of a, of a perfectionist in the sense, since guys, I'll tell you something about me. I am my biggest critic in the sense every time that I record a podcast, I get off and think to myself, man, I could have said this, I could have done this better. Like what I, I really take the attitude of I'm trying to learn from every single day, every single thing. I'm trying to make the Spurs Up show and what I do. And even in my personal life, I'm trying to get better every single day and make it better. And really bringing value to Gamecock fans. No, you know, that's one of my favorite parts too. And that's something that motivates me too is, you know, I said in the very beginning, this was something I said in the very, very beginning. If, if just one person can be positively impacted or can enjoy the content I put out, um, if it can make an impact on their day, that to me makes it worth it. That, that to me, 100% makes it worth it because I love what I'm doing. But if I can impact someone, just one person positively, that makes it all worth it to me. And when people reach out and say their appreciation, their thanks for what I'm doing, and that's what it's all about, man. And because, you know, being able to provide quality and consistent content to fans and keep it from being behind a paywall behind a subscription wall and again i mentioned that on social media it's the much longer play could have certainly charged could have put it behind a paywall could have uh done this and that or done a patreon page or whatever but giving the fans an outlet where by gamecocks for gamecocks just a real authentic outlet where you guys hear my opinions hear from more players hear my hear and see my take on things um you know, that's just, I don't know. It's something I always want to do. And I just love it, man. I truly love it. I truly love it. Love providing the value to Gamecock fans and, you know, being, being real with people and Gamecock fans having an outlet they can go to, they feel like they can really relate to and trust. And the Gamecock fans know that I'm right there in the trenches with you. And I'm a fan. I'm a diehard man. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm good at being so or objective, if you will. And being able to give opinions and being able to see, being able to see things and not being a sunshine pumper, if you will. But I'm a fan. I, there's no way of getting around that, man. I'm a fan. And I think that's what makes the Spurs Up show great. Um, what, what, what will continue to make it great, what will continue to separate it from the competition. Um, and I'll be honest, man, where I see the Spurs Up show going, you know, I'm not a big five-year plan guy or anything like that. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, when I say the best Gamecocks coverage on the internet, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. I mean that 110%. And, uh, you know, it's funny with all the people that, you know, will pat you on the back and tell you how great you're doing and what you've built. You know, I truly, when I think of the Spurs up show and what I've built, I, I really think we are literally just scratching the surface of an iceberg. We are literally at 1%. Like, we're just getting started. I mean, we, I mean this is like the dawning of a new era being in Columbia, uh, launching everything. I mean, being on site, man, it is a huge, huge, huge step. I can't undersell how, undersell how big of a step it is. So for the future, I see the Spurs Up show continuing to grow, continue to be the best Gamecocks outlet and the best Gamecocks podcast, the best Gamecocks content in general out there that you can find. That will be the Spurs Up show, and you will see me and the brand everywhere you go. And it will be the number one brand that pops in every single Gamecocks fan's head and will be that brand that you simply can't get away from. And that will be something that Gamecock fans will embrace. And I think and truly believe the fan base will continue to grow behind the, the beliefs that I've had since the beginning of consistent quality, free content that Gamecock fans can relate to 
bringing on players that they love and watched on TV and, you know, looked up, look up to. And, you know, I, I continue to see it do that. And again, I'm going to continue to try to do my best to make the brand better every single day and make the content better every single day and me personally get better every single day. And, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun to see where it goes. And I, I'm really happy that we can all be in on that experience together because, uh, you know, these are the coolest times, man. I mean, these are the coolest times. I look back, and again, I'm sorry if I'm rambling here, but I look back on, you know, I made fun of sort of the first couple episodes because, I mean, they really are terrible. I mean, I go back and I cringe, but it's sort of cool, you know, to be in that moment, to be in the moment of building something. And it's just a cool thing, man, because we're in it together. And I feel like we're really in it together, all the fans and all the people that support. Again, it's a really cool connection. Again, that's one of my favorite parts, the people that – they could be doing anything else with their time. People can be doing anything else with their time and they choose to listen to me and they choose to hear out my opinions. Even if we disagree sometimes, we did, hell, we disagree a lot. But they choose to hear out my opinions and choose to listen to me interview these guests and consume the video content and read the articles that I put out. And I mean, every single view, every single listen, it, it, it's so appreciated. It, it, genuinely coming from the bottom of my heart it's just it's so genuinely appreciated so again i mean i continue i I expect the spurs up show to continue to grow god willing um and and again i don't think there's any ceiling man i don't think there's any cap to what can be done and you know i'm i'm going to continue doing this thing to the wheels fall off man until you know get rich or die trying i mean that's you know and i you know that that's kind of a kind of the motto man just keep going just keep going and keep doing what you love because again this is something i genuinely genuinely love to do there's no way i could put out the amount of content and put in the amount of work that i put in without loving it and um i just really do appreciate you guys rocking me man and i just think the best is yet to come with the spurs up show there's so much coming um and being in columbia man i'm going to be able to have the have the inspiration. I mean, what's exciting is there are ideas right now that I have not even thought of that I really think being in Columbia and being around it all is going to be inspiration for me to think, man, that might be a really cool idea. That might be, that might bring a lot of value to Gamecock fans. That might be something the fans could really, really rally behind and really enjoy and like that piece of content. I I can't, I just can't wait. Um, It's huge. So again, appreciate the voicemail, man. I know I kind of went on a rant there, but it's, uh, it's really cool stuff, man, because there's just so much happening right now. Again, that's Joel from North Augusta. There's just so much happening right now. And, again, like I said, it's an extremely exciting time, whether you have been rocking with me for since the beginning for two years or whatever, or if you literally have just started listening to the podcast two weeks ago. This is a very, very, very exciting time for the Spurs Up show and for me and for all of us, all the supporters, listeners. Shit's really about to get kicked in a whole other gear, man. I just hope everybody's ready for it. Um, all right, so let's get into the interview. Former Gamecocks wide receiver Corey Bridges. Corey, an awesome dude, man. Um, played with the likes of Steve Tannehill, Anthony Wright, like I mentioned. Just a super, super awesome guy. We had a fantastic conversation. Um, one of the funnier guys I've interviewed as well. Very brutally honest about things. And I will say, you guys listen to this, I do apologize for some of the audio issues. Uh, Corey's phone, I think, was going in and out on us a little bit. So for about half of the interview or so. So I do apologize again. You guys heard me talk about the in-person interviews. This is one of the reasons why, because that will not be an issue at all. Audio quality will be on freaking point. While it, I mean, it normally is, but Corey, like I said, just having some phone issues. But uh, 
you know, appreciate you guys rocking with me through it. Again, stuff has just been crazy hectic with this move and what's been going on. But again, the interview brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. I mentioned them again. The best ticket buying app by far, go download SeatGeek, go to SeatGeek.com and use the app um, or use the promo code, if you will, Spurs up to save $10 off your first purchase. I'll give you guys a little bit of secret. If you already got a, an account and you want to get tickets, if you want to get your Gamecocks ball tickets and you want to save the money, um, go to SeatGeek, download the app, SeatGeek.com. Create a new account with a new email. It's really that simple. You can use that Spurs Up promo code to get $10 off that first purchase. Again, they don't just have Gamecocks ball tickets or Gamecocks tickets in general. They've got tickets to literally every sport you can think of, concerts, comedy club events. It doesn't even have to be sports. Literally anything you can buy tickets to, SeatGeek has got it there. They've got a great ticket rating system where the best thing about it is you just know that you're getting a really good deal on the tickets. Um, you know that you're getting the most bang for your buck. You know that you're getting the best value. Um, SeatGeek does all that work for you and telling you which, which ticket is the best value. So you really have that peace of mind and that confidence clicking the buy button where you know, Hey, I'm getting the best value for these tickets. I'm getting the best bang for my buck and I'm going to have a really, really good time and save some money in the process. So again, it's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $10 off your first, first purchase. All right. Enjoyed this interview with former Gamecocks wide receiver, Corey Bridges. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1993 to 1996. Over his career, he amassed 67 receptions, 886 yards, and eight touchdowns for the Gamecocks. He also played in the NFL for the Bears, Vikings, and Browns. He was also a track star at USC, picking up all SEC, all SEC honors and was the SEC 60-meter sprint champion. He's also the founder of C4 Performance, personal and professional sports performance specialist. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks wide receiver Corey Bridges. Corey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. For sure. So, Corey, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning for you. Obviously, I'm just curious, kind of your recruitment. Obviously, you were a guy. Um, a speedster, a track guy, no doubt. You were recruited by head coach Sparky Woods and his staff. But talk about your recruitment to South Carolina. What led you to eventually be a Gamecock? I mean, they you know, just stuck with me throughout the whole process. Um, you know, as a – we call ourselves as a young buck, you know, in high school, you know, you was all, I was always the superstar and – Um, but you know, uh, clearing house and everybody from uh, from you know at the university, they was you know kind of telling me steps and stages of what I need to do throughout the process, and uh, and they just you know start feeding me information of what I needed to do, and I did everything they told me to do, and they said, well, we want to have you to come to school here too, so. Um, but you know, that, that was it. Um, you know, I was just one of little, little enough ahead thinking I was the man and not, didn't really realize that grade was, my grades was that important until, uh, you know, I got woken up my senior year in high school. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of the colleges, I mean, I was, you know, recruited by just about everybody, but you know, everybody was pretty kind of, you know, skeptical of my grades. And that's one thing I teach or, you know, preach. To my athletes, you know, I mean, you can train with me all you want, but you know, this ain't this is, this is not gonna help you if you're not, you know, really getting your your work, you know, your your school work. 
So uh, that's that's one of the things that you know I'm glad I went through it so I can teach it and preach it to you know the guys and girls that I train now. For sure. So I, I talked about Sparky Woods when you got to Carolina, uh, Corey. He was coming in his fifth season as head coach. Just talk about your first interactions with him and relationship with Sparky and his staff. Oh man, Sparky was cool. Um, you know, it was. I remember coming here on a visit, and we sat and talked, and you know, Sparky was just like, "Hey, you know, um, I, I, I just, I haven't passed the SAT quite yet," and. Um, um, Sparky and the staff was they was just like, hey, listen, you know, um, get your tutoring, you know, do what you need to do, and we still want to sign you or we'll place you in junior college. So, you know, I I kind of put my foot down and you know did what I needed to do to get the grades. But Sparky was really cool. Um, I know Coach Hartness. Um, he was my receiver coach, and uh, he was he was really cool too. So, uh, I mean, they. They stuck by me, you know, they came to my house and, you know, it was, you know, a lot of coaches came to the house, but they came and they kind of, you know, kind of took care of me and told me that they had a place for me. So I was, I decided to come there. So I want to switch gears a little bit, Corey, before we get into uh, your actual playing career at South Carolina, because one of my favorite athletes, not to switch gears too much, one of my favorite athletes in professional baseball is Marcus Stroman, who is a five foot six or seven pitcher and he has kind of a slogan height doesn't measure heart I, I want to ask you about that because you're obviously a guy I think you're a five seven depending on the stat sheet I'm sure you're looking at or depending on who you're asking but uh, known for your speed but a guy let me ask you this were you ever questioned about your height and did you use that as motivation and fuel to kind of prove the doubters wrong and show you could play at the highest level you know <clears throat> I mean every you know everywhere I went you know everybody always questioned my height um, you know, it was, you know, from day one, you know, just starting sports, you know, like who's a little short guy, you know? Um, but to me, I swear, I, I don't know. I guess I just felt like if you, if, if I can see myself, if I can visualize myself being on a field, I'm literally six, five and I can do anything that a six, five player can do. Um, but that's just how I felt inside. If that's what you want to call heart, then, you know, that it is what it is, but I just didn't feel like I was, I was the small person out there and I knew everybody else was bigger, but it's just, I, I didn't, my vision of seeing somebody, you know, you, you're just a man, you know what I mean? So, um, and I am too. So, you know, God gave me, if you, <laughs> so, but yeah, I just I, I never I never saw myself being small, but I guess that's what it you know. Well, now I look back on it, I am pretty small, but <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So no, so I want to dive into your Gamecock career, Corey, because you got off to one hell of a start. Um, your first season, your freshman year, nineteen ninety three, the Gamecocks' first game of the season. Um, you guys go to Georgia, uh, which South Carolina, Georgia is always a big game. No matter, It's still a big game to this day, obviously, the border war, if you will. You guys go into Athens, um, get the win 23-21, to 21, bend it over the top. Everyone remembers the play, uh, led by Steve Tannehill, obviously. But you also, your, your first game uh, as a freshman, you have a 41-yard touchdown reception. Talk to me about that play, because I can just imagine – um, as a true freshman, you're going on the road to such an intimidating environment, but you ball out, get a 41-yard touchdown, and then just the 
the emotions of the way that game went. I mean, could you have pictured a better or more exciting first college game to start your career off with? You know, um, you know that that conversation, you know that that go-to story you have when you're out like at a bar or when you're out with some <laughs> friends or whatever, or you're just meeting a, a person, you know that, that go-to conversation, especially if I meet a Georgia fan because I live in Georgia. Uh, that's my that's my go-to story to tell everybody. Uh, is that it's, it's like, you know, like, hey, Burgess, we we're going to give you a deep ball um, during the game. Um, so, you know, because I've been practicing that week and they realized that I could run really fast. And, and um, Georgia defensive backs wasn't, you know, they didn't have they, they wasn't fast or they um, – when I, they knew I can get behind them. So, um, but yeah, it was, you know, I just, all I did was dreamt that night about it and just like, Hey, they call my number and I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely ready. So, so in my shoes, you put you in my shoes, you know, the play get called. All right. So I think the play right before that, um, you know, it was the snap camp was on two, and I ended up jumping offside because I was just so nervous. <laughs> so, so we come back and do the play again, and um, uh, it was I, it was past forty six, and I had to run a post, and and uh, I just I saw the ball, I was like, hey, listen, you know, you're gonna have to bring that one down, buddy, because you know you got ninety two thousand people in the state that you're from, but you're not playing with them because, you know, that was another um, uh, university that thought that was a little undersized, decided that they didn't want to uh, bring me aboard, which, you know, I was, I was a Georgia boy. I was born in Georgia, but uh, just the feeling to, you know, just to, just to see the ball come to me as a freshman, just went to prom like, you know, three months prior to that and uh, pulled the ball in. It was, it was, it was, it was a, Pretty pretty nice feeling. No doubt. I'm sure you give all the Georgia people in the uh, state of Georgia a lot of shit for that one still. So I can Absolutely. only Absolutely. I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no – like you said, that's a good go-to story to have. But to, that, that freshman year for you, Corey, seven catches, 180 yards. You had the two touchdowns, 25.7-yard average, I might add. So you were an explosive threat, no doubt. But what would you say – as a freshman receiver coming in, speed threat. What did you would you say you learned the most as a freshman trans, transferring from the high school to the college level? Um, you know, just the just the speed in itself. Um, just you know, just the speed. Obviously, the atmosphere as far as you know, you going from you know, we we kind of packed the house in high school, four or five thousand you know, fans a night, but you go from four or 5,000, 6,000 fans to, you know, 80,000 to 90,000, then, you know, you got speed. Um, I mean, just, just, you know, football is football, you know, if, you know, if you played football before and if you continue to go through the next level, uh, you know, from high school to college to the pro, it's football still football. Although you just have to learn how to, play that speed and um if you can't you know that's what happened with with a lot of guys that's you know that do not make it to the next level is just like 
you know, sometimes you just, you don't understand that speed and, um, and, um, you know, understand like how fast it is. Um, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of different things, you know, cause it is kind of hard to explain for me. It's personally kind of hard to explain. I just knew this is what I knew that I was fast and everybody told me that I was fast. And I didn't really think I was that fast until I actually got to college and ran against college athletes that, you know, went there for college and I, and, you know, start beat. I was like, I guess I am kind of fast. So, you know, and just keep, you know, just got to keep working. And the speed of the game is, is the biggest thing because you got, you know, defensive end that can run just as fast as receivers and linebackers is as fast as receivers. So you got to understand me and I was 156 pounds soaking wet. All right. I just cannot get killed. So that's why I, felt like I was kind of fast. <laughs> no doubt. So I, I want you to talk about one of your former teammates, Corey, a guy you're obviously I'm sure very close with, and that's Steve Tannehill, your quarterback. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> watching all the watching all the highlights from when you guys play. I, I love watching it because, you know, Steve was obviously crazy in the way he celebrated. I feel like the whole team took on that mentality because when you guys scored, you let everybody know you scored. I thought, and I think that's one of the fun things about you know, college football or football in general back when, you know, when you play that I wish they'd bring back is the ability to celebrate and have a good time with it. But uh, just talk about your relationship with Steve. And I mean, did you guys sort of take on that mentality he had about really, you know, having as much fun as possible when you play and kind of letting the other team know that, you know, we just got in your end zone? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, we was boys. I mean, I mean, me and Steve had a great relationship. It was more like, you know, we're boys and boys like to have fun regardless. It's, it's not necessarily that we're showboating. We've been doing it all our life. And now we just got a lot of people looking at us. We've been doing it in our backyard from, you know, three or four years old with, you know, with the dads, you know, showboating and having fun and just living life. And, um, and it was, that's, that's, I think that's the way, you know, Steve looked at it and, that, and that's what, that's how the, that's how the team, you know, became, it was just like, you know, we're here, we're 18, 19, 20 years old. We're here. We got 85, 80,000 people looking at us and we just scored, you know, let's be that same little boy when we was like nine or 10 years old. So let's, you know, let's have fun. What, what was your, is there one celebration or just moment that sticks out where you guys kind of went a little more crazy than normal? Because I, I feel like they're, again, they're all fun to watch, but is there one that sticks out in your mind that you can think of? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can tell you this. I, the, the, the touchdown I caught against Georgia, they just implemented the celebration rule that year. All right. So, obviously, you know, I catch a touchdown on my first play. Of, you know, it was my first play ever in college football. So, I catch a touchdown, and it's like everybody else know that was my first play in college football, you know, and my teammates. Um, I think a lot of them respected me because I was so small, but still doing the same thing they're doing. But... um and I got a, I got a pen. I'm sorry, I got a penalty on that play for celebrating. So, you know, Sparky came over to me, yelled, 
what the hell are you doing? Why are you getting, you don't need to, yeah. And then he walked off. So about three seconds later, he walked right back over and said, hey, man, that was a hell of a catch. <laughs> That's so awesome. So let's, uh, so I think what's interesting, let's move in the 94 season, uh, Corey, because for you guys, you guys go from Sparky Woods to Brad Scott, actually. Um, Brad Scott yeah. hired as head coach. Talk about that transition. I mean, was it tough for you guys? Obviously, what followed the, you know, what came the following season was positive, but in the time it happened, I mean, what was the, uh, what was the transition like for you guys, and was that a tough transition to go through? Um, I'll say, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was rough. Um, you know, it was rough on some guys, uh, just having a whole new coaching staff come in and implementing a different system. Um, you know, it was. You know, you got to think, if we didn't, once Sparky was fired, we had no coach for like three to four, three, like two to three months. And so it was, you know, it was about, then you got an 18, 19 year old kid that doesn't have a head coach, you know, who's going to discipline him. So, you know, uh, um, so we had about two months of being just a little bit, and we got our new head coach. And then once we got our new head coach, we started match drills. And just getting introduced to match drills was uh, that was that was that was pretty rough. You know, because you know, wake up at yeah, we woke up at five o'clock in the morning last, you know, the year before. But we woke up five o'clock in the morning, and if we walked through the door at um, four fifty-nine, then we were late, and then the whole team get punished. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was pretty rough. Just, but you know, and, and just like every coaching staff, they want you to buy into the system. Um, I think we got a chance to buy into it a little bit and winning. Won our Carquest Bowl that year, and uh, we 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 had a really good team. I mean, obviously you playing in SEC, but um, but we had a yeah we had a really good team that year. For sure. So I want to ask you, Corey, on a personal note, because you take a look at your statistics, and every year you balled out. The sophomore year though stands out. Just five catches, thirty yards. You played in eight games. Just talk about. Uh, what happened that year? Was it injuries, or what was the uh, what was the story of your sophomore season? Well, my um, actually, I played through eight games my freshman year with a torn rotator cuff. Mm. So I asked, and then um, and I ended up having surgery right after my freshman year. But my shoulder just wasn't; it just it just didn't feel well. And I just I wasn't confident in reaching up and catching the ball, so that my productivity went down. Um, also, I ended up injuring the opposite shoulder the, the week before the first game, and I was out. I think I was out two two or three games. And but the shoulder, you know, I just had surgery on the shoulder the year before. Then the opposite shoulder was pretty. Um, it was I, I tore some ligaments, but you know I was able to rehab and. Um, rehab those to come back and play but I was just I couldn't my my I couldn't reach up and catch the ball like I wanted to didn't have confidence in my uh, my hands my sophomore year but 
Um, that my sophomore year was pretty rough. Um, you know, obviously I wanted to have a bigger sophomore year, but hey, Andrew, it, it is what it is. No doubt. And you obviously bounced back your junior and senior, but I want to stick with that sophomore year because you talked about Corey. Uh, you were on the team, the Gamecocks, that won the first ever bowl game in school history against West Virginia, the CarQuest Bowl, 24-21 uh, to 21 over West Virginia. Just, just talk about, again, the sophomore season didn't necessarily go how you wanted, to, wanted it to go, but just talk about what it means to you, I guess, now looking back to know that you were on the team that won the first ever bowl game in South Carolina school history. Hey, listen, anytime you can go down in the history books, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm definitely honored. Um, we, we, you know, all the guys, we still, listen, you know, it's, it's awesome because majority of the guys that were on that team, uh, we still communicate because we know we, you know, we went down in history. Um, I mean, you know, first time ever going to a bowl and winning it for the, for the school. I mean, that's, that's, that's not bad to put on the, uh, uh, you know, put on the resume. For sure. So I, I want to jump into that junior season for you, Corey, because like I said, you, you bounced back in a big way. Um, 27 catches, 277 yards. You had three touchdowns. But the game uh, or the rivalry I want to focus on specifically is the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Obviously, you being a guy from Georgia, coming from out of state, just talk about that Carolina-Clemson rivalry a little bit and when did it click for you just how big of a game that was, how important that game was to people? Day one, Sewing Camping. I mean, it was just pure, like, hey, one thing you don't do, you don't want you around here. Um, and then, you know, obviously, until you, you're you there on the field and playing in it, you won't, you know, you can't, you don't really understand. You know, like, you know, fresh, um, um, my first one that I went to my freshman year, it, I was like, wow. And now you just see how, you know, they didn't have social media back then. <laughs> it, it's amazing how big that rivalry is. No doubt. Right. So, no, go ahead. So yeah, that junior, that junior and senior season for you, Corey. Just talk about what uh, what clicked for you, because obviously you grew a ton as a wide receiver and were really a threat for the Gamecocks. Um, where would you say your game improved most in your last two years at South Carolina? So obviously, considering the the you know we had the change in the coaching staff and the new offense, just being more comfortable with the offense. Um, you know, just we, you know, hell had Deuce Daly and Darren Hamburg. I'm a, <laughs> I mean, you had those guys just running back. Um, you know, just again, just understanding the game a bit more, you know, making it. A player again. You want to make it where the game come to you. You start feeling how the game played out. Um, 
and understanding your skill. So, and obviously, junior and senior year, you want to make sure that you know you have you you, you know you want to be a good leader for the team and the underclassmen. So, um, um, and that, I think that was that was you know just the growth of understanding the game even more and understanding the offense of Brad offense that he had when he uh, brought in. Now, you're someone, Corey, that you played for two different quarterbacks. Uh, 95 with Steve Tannehill's last year. You guys transitioned to uh, to Anthony Wright, uh, who's yep. very well-known amongst Gamecock fans, a guy that not only did well at South Carolina, but had a really solid NFL career as well, long NFL career. Um, yep. Talk about what it was like kind of going from Steve Tannehill to Anthony Wright, some of the pros, cons maybe, and uh, the relationship you had with Anthony as well. Oh, A1, that's my boy. Um um, with him a speedy recovery. I'm pretty sure he's 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 up running around doing everything now. But um I'll say the transition, um, obviously, you know, with Anthony Mobilities, um, you know, Steve with with Steve offense, we were more timing and and, you know, you know, reading zones and, you know, understanding the offense a little bit more, getting to a space. Um, and if the ball's not there, it's either, you know, either check down or whatever. With, but with Anthony, all right, well, we can get to a space, but um, Anthony's going to move in the pocket, and he's going to run, and he can scramble. Um, and so we have to keep moving. We have to keep, you know, so we have to keep moving when Anthony's in, um, when we was playing with Anthony because his arm was, he had a cannon. He did have a cannon. Um and um, you know he he threw the ball a little bit harder than Steve did. Uh, Steve threw the ball. He threw the a ball that just it just was so it was just catchable. It just so it was so soft. And Anthony had like you know a bullet. So you had to adjust from the speed of the ball. And um, I mean that that was the difference between the two because it, the ball come a little bit tight, tighter uh, with a one. Whereas Steve Ball just kind of just, you know, it'll just get to you. No doubt. So, your last game at South Carolina, Corey, at Clemson, you guys go out 34 to 31 winners. Um, talk about just kind of what that meant to you. Because, again, you talked about how important the Clemson game was. But for that to be your last college game, um, beating Clemson in Death Valley, I mean, how, try to summarize the emotions from that one. Man, it's always good to go out on top when you're when you're when you're not you're not actually gonna be doing it anymore. Um I mean I mean that night was just it was magical. <laughs> um I mean, obviously we didn't didn't supposed to win the game, like always. Um but you know, it was just so electric with the Reggie with the uh, – he had the, the kick return. We had a little trick play. and Toby uh, – not Toby, no, no, I'm sorry. Only two years before that. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, same, you know, same thing. It was just – it was just – I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to explain, man. It was just fun. It was just – I was just a kid on the big stage. We just had fun, and we went down and, and whooped them tiger. That's what we did. <laughs> So I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Corey, but you you played in the NFL for a while for the uh, 
the Bears, Vikings, and the Browns. Just just kind of summarize your uh, your NFL experience. And I guess we talked about the transition from <clears throat> from high school to college, but what was that transition like from college to NFL? And which one would you say was tougher for you? Um, I'll say I'll say I'll say probably I'll say high school to college. It was the biggest transition. Because number one, you're not you don't you're not going home to mommy and daddy anymore. You you know you're you're a big boy now, and you got to learn how to basically you know survive. Uh, and that's what you going to college. It's kind of prep you, you for being um, you know on your own and 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 doing for yourself. Because, you know, then by the time you're you know, 21, 22 years old, and you're ready to graduate, and you're pretty much a man now. So it's like, okay, well, I'm a man. I need to step out in this world and, um, you know, be, you know, who I am. And, but again, I still, I was still a kid doing the thing that I love doing. You know, I got an education from one of the best universities, and I was able to go to, you know, to the NFL because that's what I, knew what I wanted to do as a kid, which nobody but probably myself didn't know, didn't know I was going to do that. Um, you know, the transition from college to the, um, to the NFL, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you, you have so, you, you have so much, you have so much help. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, you need anything, you know, living arrangement, a car, you know, you're going to get fed. So it's almost like you're going back to college again, but um, you don't have to have classes. It's just like, all right, well, I don't have to do classes anymore. I just go to meetings and go do what I do. Um, it's not a, but, you know, you start getting a little bit extra money in your pocket. So now you got to realize, all right, well, you know, I need to not be out partying and doing all this type of stuff because I'm, I need another check next week. <laughs> so uh and, and, you know you live you learn um you know you, you have so many resources once you get this it's, it's kind of hard to to fail so you know the guys that get in trouble and do stuff like that i mean you know hey that's who they are and go ahead no go ahead go ahead and um i mean it's, it's the, I'll say probably the hardest is basically from high school to college. And being in the NFL is, I mean, you always want to be the best. If you have that aspiration to be there, you know, you want to, you know, you want to be the best. You're going to train with the best. Um, so that's what I always thought. I always thought I was better than the person in front of me athletically. I didn't think anybody can beat me running. Um, I didn't think anybody can, you know, you know, um, nobody could jam me. I mean, I guess that's what, you know, what allow other, you know, NFL to kind of look at me because it was like, okay, this guy still is, he's five, six and a half. I know you gave me five, seven, man, but they, um, (laughs) NFL, they measure me at five, six and a half. But he can catch. He can run really fast. We're gonna give him a shot. He's, you know, he has a body type that can take hits. 
let's give him a shot. So um, my unfortunate um, situation was my rookie year with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, fortunate, but unfortunate. So real quick story. <clears throat> I go, I work out for pro days, Viking fly, you know, fly me up and I work out and I ran 140 and they threw me one ball and then they signed me. And it was like, well, we knew he can run. All right. He can catch. We're signing. So I go up to the stairs and sit down with Dennis Green. Dennis Green said, Hey, listen, man, we're going to bring in about three to three to four free agents. And then we'll probably keep one, maybe two of you guys. We're not going to draft a receiver. I'm like, cool. Well, you know, I'm going to have to battle it out with these three to four guys. And um, so come the NFL draft day, the, with the 21st pick, the Minnesota Vikings selects Randy Moss. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to keep one receiver. I, I'm like, I'm already cut. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I got into camp with them and, you know, Randy and I, you know, we was, you know, we was roommate, me, him and his brother. Um, it was really good to, you know, be under Chris Carter, Jake Reed. And, I mean, I wasn't making that team, <laughs> but I learned so much. And that's what kind of, you know, helped me, you know, bounce around the different teams because I was able to pick up a lot of things from those guys. No doubt. So, Corey, I want to backtrack a little bit going back to your USC days because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you were a track star as well. Again, all-SEC track star. Um, you were the SEC 60-meter sprint champion. Where did the passion for track come from? I know why you did it for, you know, you like you mentioned, you were a great athlete, and it's obviously something that helped you on the football field. But where did the uh, the passion for uh, for track start for you? And Because, obviously, you were able to do it at a really high level and, again, pick up all the honors that I mentioned. Ah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, again, I always go back of just, you know, looking at how I developed to be fast. Obviously, my genetics. Uh, my, you know, my father was fast. My, <laughs> my mom was fast. My brothers, all, everybody was fast. So, um, you know, as a kid, we all. I mean, there wasn't a day that you know you can walk down the street that somebody's racing, and you know we raced all the time, you know, at least once, two, three times a week. And, um, I just, I just felt like, you know, if you, if you got it, use it. And I was able to just use it a lot, you know, and everybody started, I started realizing that, you know what, I'm pretty much faster than just about anybody out here. So I'm going to keep beating people. Obviously just making my confidence build up and, um, and I think that's the, uh, one of the most important things is confidence. I knew that I can beat the guy right here beside me. And that wasn't – and so, all right, well, I mean, you mean to say I can go to college and do the same thing and it'll be on TV and I'll be racing against, you know, some of the fastest kids in the country or in the world and still beat them? I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, you have a business now i mentioned at the beginning of the show c4 performance um which focuses on personal and professional sports performance J just talk about where that idea came from what specifically you do what type of athletes you work with and uh kind of where the direction you guys are taking that ah uh, man c4 obviously 
it means explosive, right? But my name is Corey. I wore number four at University of South Carolina. So I was an explosive athlete. Why not name it after C4 Performance? So um, that's what I came up with it, uh, with the name. Um, and what I do, as far as training-wise, you know, you name it, you know, strength and conditioning, speed and agility. Um, I've, you know, I'm into um, what I do with a lot of my athletes, well, just about every one of my athletes. We work on the function of the body, work on the movement working their body to move in, you know, planes of motion, three planes of motion. Um, you know, always start, you know, I start with the foot of the athlete and we work their hips. We also work their spine. Um, you know, the body, you know, because the body works, it's, it's one unit. And, you know, the, in your foot is the first thing to hit the ground and book out that, um, that a guy by the name is Gary Gray wrote, he said, when the foot hit the ground, everything changes. So, um, you know, if you look at just about any sports that's out there, you know, the feet are the first thing to tell you to go somewhere. So, you know, um, you know what I do with athletes is just, you know, watch how the foot flow, watch how the hip load, watch how the spine rotate. Um, and just, you know, just see how their body flow. You know, I don't want to try to do any corrective exercises. Um, I just want their body to function together. And once we get the body to function together, then, you know, that's, you know, athletes, that's what makes athletes athletes because their body understands how to function together. Um, and that's what I kind of focus on with my athletes. You know, I don't, try to, you know, get on the bench press and try to throw up three, 400 pounds or do a lot of squat. You name a sport other than professional squatting or professional powerlifting, you know, it, you know, there's not an athlete on the field that's squatting and with something on their back. Do I squat my athlete? Yeah, I do. But, you know, it's not, that's, that's, that's not, a necessity for me. Um, you know, baseball is a rotating sport. You're working a lot of transverse planes. Um, you know, football, basketball, everything. Your body's just, it moves. And I don't like to make it sit, I don't like to, to isolate it. I like to integrate it and make it move like it should. No doubt. So, Corey, kind of switching gears here, kind of an off-the-wall question. Um, obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you, you played with a lot of lot of legendary Gamecocks, I would say, from Steve Tannehill to John Abraham to Anthony Wright to Zola Davis. Um, I, I want to focus on Steve Tannehill, though. We, we've all kind of heard the stories and obviously the, the, the legend of, of Tannehill. What's your best Steve Tannehill story that uh, maybe nobody knows about? Uh, man, I and I don't. And y'all trying to make me throw my? Nah, I ain't gonna throw my ball. No, up. no, not a, no, not at all. So, <laughs> something positive, obviously, but I mean, something uh maybe You're funny about on or, the field or off like, the field. No, no on the, we'll stay on. We'll stay on the field. We'll st- we'll keep it on the field for sure. No, nah, no, nah, he no. Nah. Um, it has to be the home run 
it ha- it has to be the home run swing um down in Death Valley. I mean, that was like that was it. You know, um you know, Steve is just, you know, I think Steve would look at me and be like, this guy, how are they going to recruit this guy so damn short and small, but he is fast. Oh, he can catch. And, uh, but yeah, Steve was always cool, man. And a lot of things, you know, you know, a lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give away a little secrets. A lot of times when we do like TV timeouts and stuff like that, and we're out on the field, and uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, looking at looking at us like, oh, I wonder what play they're drawing up. What are they doing? Oh, I wonder if they're gonna do this play, whatever. No, we're in the huddle talking about what we're gonna do that night. <laughs> <laughs> we already know what we're gonna do. We already know what play we're gonna run. You know, we're we're in there talking about, you know, look at the look at the other teams um student section look at the girls in the student section you know we already know the play we already know where we're gonna go and everybody out there everybody in the, in the stands thinking that we're we're talking about oh yeah we need to do this play we need to run jet right now nope it's like all right who's coming over tonight what we're drinking tonight <laughs> <laughs> hey because hey because you bring that up i'm gonna ask you it's you know it's so funny i was doing some uh some research on Steve and then yourself and the nine, the 93 Georgia game, that one I mentioned, your first game as a freshman. There is an article with that game that uh, I believe Steve got in a little bit of – or there, there was a football party. Steve got in a little bit of a trouble – a little bit of trouble. Can you uh, – were you at the party and can you confirm or deny? I mean, obviously there's an article written about it, so it definitely happened. But, I mean, were you uh, – were you there? And I mean, what specifically happened at that where, where he was the only one that got uh, – got thrown under the bus there. I feel because I, I feel like that they must have been targeting him or something, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys I mean, were celebrating the big win over now. Georgia. It's 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 Steve. I mean, I had the team with there. You know, so it wasn't just him. Everybody was there. I mean it was it's, it was Steve Tannehill. They, they, they were just targeting, you know, some part, you know the media got to have something to talk about. And everybody everybody knows Steve too. So it wasn't like people didn't know he didn't party or have a good time. He was just having a good time. He was a 19, 20-year-old young man who was a star quarterback at a university. I mean, and you just beat Georgia. (laughs) So, I mean, what what would you do? (laughs) And and with a mullet, who (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> did did he uh, ever yeah. did, did, did you ever think about maybe did you, did you get some inspiration from the mullet do like maybe like cornrows or like uh no man like i was afro a, or you just clean cut Nah, i was a clean cut i was you know go down to the barber shop and get me a nice 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 shave you gotta get your <laughs> you have to have your haircut on a friday you know we, we went down to the barber shop and got us a haircut oh some of the guys used to cut the hair on the team if we were, if we was gonna this what this how it work if we wasn't on a TV game the boys would cut it in the in the um, in the dorm but if we was on ESPN or something oh we're in the barbershop getting lined up and edged up and everything got it got to look good on the tube for sure absolutely 
So, Absolutely. So, Corey, when, when you look back on your Gamecock career, um, I, I know it's kind of a tough question. But when you look back on it, what would you say is your best memory in Garnet and Black? Best memory in Garnet and Black. I mean, I can say I have – I mean, only because I am from Georgia, I've, you know – I have two memories. Obviously, the first one that I caught the touchdown against them in um, in Athens, and then I caught another touchdown against them here on ESPN. It was it was a ESPN uh, prime time game. Um, those was some pretty good memories that I do I did have. Um, you know, just I don't know. I think it's more just like the guys, man. Just you know, I don't. I don't think you could, you know, put a perfect. I mean, we we all still communicate with each other, and you know, it's just my memories is just like being in a locker room, uh, just you know, having a good time, laughing, cracking jokes. Everybody's walking around limping and hurting, and still cracking jokes and. You know, that was, I'll say that was my, that was one, that's the biggest memory that I do have is just being around the fellows and just, and I think we all, I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% of us will probably say that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously catching the touchdown and going out on the town and getting patted on the back, you know, that didn't feel bad. That didn't feel bad at all either. So, um, um, and just, just the guys, man, just the guys, just, you know, we we it was it was just like something special. We just you know hung out together. We was brothers, and still are. That, and that's I'm glad you reminded me of that one, Corey, because that's one I, I somehow forgot to bring up the '96 Georgia game because it was one I talked with Anthony a lot about when we were on the show. That was a I mean obviously just a really fun night. Deuce went wild that night, and then yeah. I remember specifically the interview I did with him. I, I posted the highlight from the touchdown that he threw for you. I mean, yeah. or threw to you. Yeah. I mean. Just talk about that play in general. I remember specifically from that highlight, you catch it and catch you just kind of stand there and soak it in and look into the crowd. I mean, that, that again, that had to be a really fun night for you. Oh, uh, that was it was amazing. Um, we had a we had a a um, we called it a smash route where you know an outside receiver do a you know five yard stop and um, inside receiver, which is slot, do you know a twelve to fifteen yard corner route. And um, and I think Anthony checked into that because, you know, being the smart quarterback that Anthony was, Corey runs a 4-2 in a 40. And they just went man-to-man. It would be absolutely impossible for this guy to stick with Corey on a corner route right now. I'm going to check to this play. And it was a run play, and you can see Anthony check right to it. And um, and I was like, if this guy, well, number one, he man to man, and I have a corner, it's it's you, I'm on, it's going to be a touchdown. And he gave me what we call an inside position. I was like, this is too easy. And then that's what, and then Anthony would, I think after we, <clears throat> we got to the sideline, I caught the touchdown. Anthony came over, sat beside me. He was like, "Man, this that was just way too easy. I had to call the play. It was just, 
<laughs> they gave you inside. They gave you the outside. Like I'm going over there again. <laughs> and they didn't. They didn't play that way no more the rest of the game. Were you in your professional or college career? Has anyone ever caught you from behind? Ooh, I never, <laughs> never. <laughs> um, no. Well, I had a I had a punt return when I was with the Cleveland Browns, but. I went through the, I went up the middle and I saw daylight and I don't know if somebody caught me, but somebody tripped me up and I'm still, I have nightmares to this day because I had a touchdown. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's well, gotta be like a speed guy's like worst, like nightmare, right? Or, to, or just worst thing that can happen is to be caught from behind. Right. It's just like oh God, blasphemy. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, sometimes it's just like, you're tired. I mean, your legs are just done. It's not like that they're, they're faster than you. It's just, your your legs just they're, they're just, just fresher than you they're, they're just fresher you know um but yeah I, I haven't had anybody um caught me from no i can't remember that what so i know you're still training right now Corey. but if you ran the 40 today what what are you clocking in at you think i'm gonna clock somebody upside the head with my hamstring that's what's gonna happen <laughs> 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 it's a pop trail. You know, two years ago, two years ago, no, last, yeah, yeah, no, last year, I was out with um, with a few clients at the football field, and um, and I decided to run it. I'm 45 now, and I ran a 4.6, and I was like, you know what, I'll take that 4.6. And that's the slowest I ever ran a 40 in my life. I mean, 4.6 four, four, is still a solid speed. I mean, I, I, there's, there's definitely a couple of Gamecocks receivers on the current team that are probably running 4.6s or you probably would beat in a 40-yard dash. So I would say that's a, that's a solid number. That's nothing to, uh, nothing to turn your nose up at for sure. But, Corey, really do appreciate you taking the time man. It's just pleasure to have you on again all the stories all the good memories i know i can speak for all gamecock fans when i say just just watching you guys the passion you guys played the game with and going back and reliving the, the old highlights is always a, a lot of fun but really appreciate you taking the time Corey. love to do it again sometime and chop it up and obviously talk some ball yes sir yes sir i'm gonna be in columbia maybe a couple times this year yeah, no, we'll definitely link up and uh, and do something for sure. So for Corey Bridges, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Birds Up Show. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off. 
at MVMT.com.